On this week's episode of Slashers, we're talking Tucker and Dale versus Evil and all the gutty glory that's contained therein. Make sure you stay tuned until the end of the episode to listen to the hidden track by Gyrojet's Pieces. This year, spring break is cut short. So is the co-hosts for Slash's podcast. That's right, you're getting a two-man crew today. Jimothy Jim Jimity Jim Boy, say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. What's up, fuck boys? How's it going, bud? Pretty good. Old Faithful, that's what I'm going to change your name to. Yes. My wife also calls me Old Faithful. There you go. Oh, God. I just have a very... You remember Scary Movie 2? Yeah. Just keeping him warm? That's the yeah. image I have in my mind. Thanks so much. I'm not going to be able to look at you or your wife in the eye again for a while. You're welcome. So, <laughs> woo. so this week, we are kind of maintaining a series of horror comedies. We are doing Tucker and Dale versus Evil. And had you ever seen this movie before? Uh, no. Are you happy to have seen this movie? Yes. Very cool. I actually enjoyed it more than Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, I would say so. This is a movie that surprises me with every time I watch it, just how tight the movie is. Like the good attention to detail, consistent callbacks with every single thing that aren't like overly hammy, uh, some decent references. So in terms of like backwoods horror, are you familiar with any hillbilly horror films? No, I never saw. I never saw like The Hills Have Eyes. I know that's kind of hillbilly, right? Um, yeah, that's more desert mutants, but I can definitely mutants. see because there is a okay, caravan in mountains and stuff. The um, big ones being like Wrong Turn, The Hills Run Red. That's another one. There's Hatchet, Backwoods, Roadkill, Wolf Creek's an Australian one that's kind of fun. But yeah, it's honestly, no, I, it's a kind of tired genre. <laughs> Deliverance, yeah. obviously. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. There you go. But yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen any of those. So besides Deliverance, but. You know, it's funny. I have seen all those except for Deliverance. I don't do movies where there's rape if I can avoid it. So basically just never gotten around <laughs> to it. But yeah, so the genre, I mean, it's interesting because it, it's weird. You could easily say it's oversaturated and then completely devoid of anything at the same time because there's a couple good standouts and then there's not much else. Right. So the fact that this movie is basically a spoof of a genre that's kind of dead is very interesting when you consider how effective this movie is. I kind of took it to be more of a spoof. Well, I guess the hillbilly thing, but more a play on just the general idea of college kids going into the woods, like horror. Because, I mean, if you look at the title, it's Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yeah. And so the entire time, I'm expecting some sort of explanation other than stupidity. Yeah, or, exactly. You know, something actually evil. Right. As opposed to just that, like you said, a misunderstanding or, or and then the naivete of their counterparts. I could definitely see that. Did you feel let down that there wasn't a more nefarious force at work? No. I just it just leads to their lends to the overall gag. Yeah. Which was just so damn good. Yeah, it, it's very good. The main actor, Tyler Labine, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So the main actor, Tyler Labine, was in another movie called Was it Cottage Country? And so in that one I expected it to be a little bit that name 
rings more to like a Tucker and Dale type movie. Basically, he has like a piece of shit brother who he ends up murdering in a like a fit of rage. And then his like really shitty fiance like wants to hide the fact that it was a murder so they can get away with it. It's kind of a silly movie, but I feel like that name almost fits this movie better. I do remember being like the little dweeb. That's the evil in the movie. Right. Like, I guess versus evil is almost like the perception of evil. I don't know, because it feels like a very splashy comic book title that doesn't right. really have that. But if you look at it from and this, we're getting way into it too early. But if you look at it from the psychology standpoint that they get into the movie yeah. later on, where it was his dad that he like kind of goes through the same thing. And so if you want to say he's evil as a human, whether you believe in humans can be truly evil or not, then it's them, Tucker and Dale versus Justin Trudeau. Oh, that's a perfect name. <laughs> that's so good. I was going to call him Martin Short. You're so much better than I am. Yeah. Fuck, that's good. But yeah, so it's like it's them versus he's the evil. And the circumstances set in motion by him choosing to go to the woods. Remember, they say it was his idea. Right. I'll take that. I'll accept it. You win. If you could give it another name, is there anything that would come to mind? I don't know. That's something I'd have to think about. But I mean, it works. It's fine. But on the surface, it's so misleading. I feel like this movie could be called The Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. And like the, I feel like The Cabin in the Woods could be called The Basement. In a fair world, like that's what it is, right? Because that's the best part of the cabin. You, Who gives a fuck about the cabin? We're not talking about that. We're talking about the basement underneath it is where all the cool shit happens. Right. The black room. Well, yeah. Well, not even just like there's the basement and then there's the basement's basement. <laughs> so, I mean, it really adds on levels. So, uh, let's go back. We're going to erase history, swap the names. We're good to go. Perfect. Sound fair. Do you want to get into some statistics for this one? Let's because trivia, basically, the film sat on the shelf for about two years. Market trends were indicating that there was kind of an oversaturation with, for instance, the Friday the 13th remake and so forth, where they just let it breathe and it turned out to be a moderate success. So the film was shot on a budget of $5 million and received a whopping $4.7 million in the box office. That's tragic for how good it is. Well, it's a super, super limited release. So domestically, it only grossed two hundred twenty-three thousand dollars eight hundred eighty-three. You had in the foreign gross was four million five hundred twenty-five thousand. So basically, the overseas market actually did get like a wide theatrical release. But I think this was limited to less than a hundred screens. So it's it's not bad. It was mainly a direct-to-DVD streaming kind of release. Right. Now, the opening weekend was January 22nd, 2010. Can I regale you and make you feel old? Yeah. You know what was still lingering in theaters, running rampant at this time? Avatar. Mm. Yeah, the blue cat people movie where people be fucking with their ponytails. That we're getting four more of? Yeah, allegedly. I have a friend that works the sets. Oh, really? Yeah. Has that person killed themselves yet? Well, they just got laid off, so maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Disney comes in and goes, hold on, you've been working on this for how long? And nothing's yeah. happened. They keep bringing people back to work on stuff and they send them home after like a day or two because they don't want to pay them. And then, but because it's Disney, there's no unions involved at all. Oh, that's interesting. Really sucks. Because different corporate, different entities within Disney, because Disney's so damn massive now, especially with movies, there, there are some unions, but most of them don't. So yeah. they're going kind of through the ringer right now especially at like the end of shooting for this stuff. But they're like, oh, we need this stuff done. Come back. We'll give you four days. And they come bring them back and they're like, well, you did a day and a half of work. I think we're done. That's insanity. Yeah. Ugh, caca. But uh, did you ever feel that you needed another one of those? 
No, this is one movie. I enjoyed it in the theater just for the spectacle because it was especially what 11 years ago or 10 years ago, basically, because yeah. it was at the end of the year. But like loving special effects and stuff like that is so cool. Like it was just it's a beautiful looking movie. Yeah. But I've never had the urge to watch it again. I've never seen it besides the theater. I've paid extra to see it with some chick I was seeing at the time. And I remember the only 3D effect was like when they spun a monitor, it like popped out. And I was like, not the giant fucking pterodactyl thing. Fuck uh, this right? movie. <laughs> but I think that might have just been circumstance because it was built up as a spectacle where I was like, I'm unimpressed. And the story is basically Fern Gully. Right. Everybody wanted to say Dances with Wolves. And I was like, I'm not very intelligent. I have not seen that movie. Seen that movie. Yeah, is it good? I used to watch. Well, I used to watch it as a kid all the time. What? Yeah. I used to watch uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves like every day. Okay. So I can kind of feel you on yeah. that where you're like, why am I watching this? I'm a child. I should be watching yeah, Power Rangers. Know. It was something where like my grandparents would pick me up after school and I'd go and wait at their house. Okay. And they had like all these VHSs of <laughs> stuff. So it's like, what am I watching today? Let's watch Dances with Wolves for the 30th time. The only two videos I had at my grandma's house were Teddy Ruxpin and then the sequel to Aladdin, the Revenge of Jafar or whatever. <laughs> and I remember always wanting to take Revenge of Jafar home and my grandma being like, nope. So every time I would go, I would watch that fucking movie. I don't even know if it's any good. I can't remember anything about it. But whatever. That's completely tangential. Other movies that came out January 8th, you had Daybreakers. And then January 22nd, you had Legion, which we have done on this show mm. i didn't realize the legion was 10 years old already crazy right it actually holds up remarkably well i said it on that episode i'll say it again i defend that movie in priest they're very fun they're actiony they're dumb don't get that twisted at all we love dumb movies here uh, yeah for <laughs> sure uh, i posit this as an option i would like to pit john constantine in the keanu reeves version up against priest uh, in a versus mode episode <laughs> okay. i had talked previously that if we did constantine my big fear was that i was going to go off the butt fucking rails and just do way too much research and lose my mind so this would be a nice way to kind of make me rein it in so any of those movies if you could have seen tucker and dale at the theater or these three movies is there anyone that you would pick would you pick avatar for the spectacle yeah i don't regret seeing avatar in theater no just how cool it was imax and everything but I would, I would regret now not seeing Tucker. I mean, it's not a movie you need to see in theater. Exactly. I watched it on my phone today and it was fun. Yeah. But I've also seen it like six times. So but yeah. more of a refresher than anything. But I also still like going to it. Like, I've still never burned out on going to the movie theater experience. I still just like doing it. So for sure. I, I don't know. My my dad and I were talking about this quite extensively because we went and saw Rise of Skywalker together, talking about like, the spectacle of movies and what we love about movies because I got my love of cinema from my dad. Like when the title credit, the fanfare comes, at, da, 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 I got kind of sentimental because I was thinking about all the times as a kid that like my mom would be out of town or whatever. So we would black out all the windows, the point of like putting pillows in the windows so it was black as could be like a movie theater. And we would put the volume up as high as it would go and we would watch these movies and try and make it a theatrical experience so I, I love that idea and I very much advocate especially for horror even if it's low budget to experience horror with other people is so cathartic I love that experience like seeing Midsummer. I didn't really give a fuck about the movie I would say that 30% of my enjoyment of that film if not more came from looking to my left and right and seeing Michelle confused and my wife confused because <laughs> they were both like what, what are we watching? is this an incest monster and a bear man <laughs> So what do you think? Have you seen many horror films in theaters or is this something you kind of indulge in secretly on your laptop under the covers? Yeah, no, I, I'm fine with them in my room if it's whatever dark and on the TV. 
What what I hate the most is just cheap jump scares. It's so tacky. I have the worst involuntary like jump reflex. Where I used to like even like in like high school, like the stupid halls at our high school. Uh-huh. Coming around those corners and like almost running into somebody and like flinching. <laughs> it's like it's the same thing for like jump scares. And it's just it kind of sucks. And so I hate jump scares in movies, but I used to go all the time, like in, in high school, we would go watch whatever. For sure. But as an adult, <laughs> when I'm going to like, it, it's more of I'm going to choose more yeah. of what I really want to see. And I just, I really ended up skipping over just a lot of horror movies that I otherwise would have liked, you know. Yeah, I'd say like the 2010s were kind of a, a rough period for me when it came to horror because like A, finding somebody to go, B, justifying the cost and I'm already living on student loans and stuff was kind of rough. But right. I mean, before that, and then, you know, I also grew up watching like Joe Bob and stuff like that and pretending that I had friends to watch movies with. So actually going to the theater and having that was kind of unique. One thing I really, to your point about cheap jump scares, it's just so hacky. Like I actually really like probably my favorite part about Asian horror is very often that they do like the reverse when it comes to like the suddenness of the sound and everything, which almost like sound drops off and they do some just really different things. Right. And then so when you see like the bastardizations of like the ring and the grudge yes. and stuff, you're like, what the fuck? Like you did the same movie bad. Like what is this? <laughs> so the runtime of this film, 89 minutes. Is it easy, breezy, beautiful? Cover girl. Yes. Perfect. I think that this is absolutely perfect. I could definitely see how you set it up more for a sequel or something. I like just the way it is. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this is the type of movie too where they could like where the ending is, you could jump right back into anything you want. Exactly. Like you don't need to set it up. A hundred percent. As far as so eighty nine minutes is it was perfect for this movie. Just every like you said earlier, super tight. Yeah, there's not really any like fat to cut. I mean, some of the scenes where little redneck or, you know, secret redneck Justin Trudeau is, they feel tedious as you're watching them. But then when you see the end, you're like, oh, it's been his descent into madness. But this is something I want to talk about on this film. This movie, when it comes to the camera angles and stuff, it keeps you rooted in comedy versus truly horror. Right. There are some good shots of Dale running through the forest where he's backlit and there's fog machines and stuff that are very eerie and ominous and cool. But by and large, the movie is very panned out. Like when little boy is talking about the Memorial Day massacre, it's four people in the same frame. So it's not the looming darkness. I mean, fuck, I've heard little kids on Are You Afraid of the Dark tell a story <laughs> around a campfire that was scarier. So it's right. keeping you at a very comfortable, safe pace. So if you would have been a little bit more visceral in those, it wouldn't have seemed so tedious. But that's like my only complaint in terms of pacing the whole film. Yeah. And if you want to compare it to like Cabin in the Woods, which we just did, which are very similar. Yeah, a lot. In structure. So they do a lot more with tight close-up scenes obviously and, and most of the comedy in that movie comes from dialogue and it's not situational whereas everything in this is everything in this is comedy the situation the dialogue yeah what have you but then you don't really get you don't get really tension you don't get you don't get a lot of horror but it's more from the oh my god that guy just fell into a wood chipper yeah like that's it's horrific exactly <laughs> and absurd but it's not the one of the guys walking out and taking a piss and Someone running into him from the side. Exactly. Yeah. You know, when you think the girl zombie is coming from behind him, like in the cabin in the woods. Well, there's a great example. So think about it like this. You could easily do the camera angle where the guy impales himself, right? Mm -hmm. If you did that from a low uprise shot and you're seeing the dynamism of his feet pumping and pumping and he's hustling and you see Bramble flying around, that seems way more you know, scary, suspenseful, what have you. Right. But they don't. 
because that's not what this is. It's like this cathartic, like, let's just look at how fucking crazy this all is. Like, how would you react if all this was happening? Like you're saying, it's a, we've never done a slasher on the show, but it's a slasher of circumstance where the <laughs> circumstance feels like a threat. And because it's so, I guess, esoteric, the wide frame actually is, is fucking brilliant is what I'm trying right. to get around. I don't know if it sounds as complimentary as I'm intending it to, but it's it's really clever. Right. And adds to Tucker and Dale's bewilderment of like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> this is really well done in terms of consistent levels of stupidity and naivete. Like I've, you've heard me rant about this. I really hate in any kind of movie when somebody is really, really dumb and then really smart and then kind of dumb. Like they're consistent throughout. Like Tucker has good advice, but he's selfish. Dale is not necessarily smart. He just has practice recitation right which is yep. different than intelligence and so when you have these characters interacting they're self-aware because they're not idiots yeah so when he's like worried about the perception of the sheriff it makes sense and so you you don't have to feel like you're suspending your disbelief and be like oh really like he wouldn't come on yeah yeah because that's I mean, a good take and that's a great thing the cabin in the woods did by giving people an excuse to be stupid like when they spray chris hemsworth with the stuff and then he's like oh no let's split up you know, that makes what kind of sense <laughs> Yeah. So the film was directed by Eli Craig, who co-wrote the film with Morgan Jurgensen, which a name that just rolls off the butt fucking tongue. Eli Craig, the son of Sally Field, brother of Peter Field. And I'll tell you, his brother, a little bit more established, wrote The Town, two of those stupid butt fucking Hunger Games movies, Top Gun, <laughs> Maverick, Bad Boys for Life. But... Craig has some decent credentials to himself, and I want to talk about a movie he did. It's 22 minutes. You can find it on YouTube. It's so old. Look in my eyes, Jim. So old that the 22-minute video has to be uploaded into two parts. How quaint is that? <laughs> now you can have Gandalf headbanging for 10 hours, but back then you couldn't have a 10-minute video. I think my favorite... 10 hour video is Justin Bieber getting shot up in CSI. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> I haven't no. I'm talking about the the Gandalf. Da, 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 oh yeah. Da, da. Oh yeah. I used to do in my law school, I'd put that on in the classrooms and then I'd leave because people have no sense of humor. Something that I especially when I'm with my kid, I'm always silly. So if I'm like walking through a store and I smile at somebody and they don't, I literally say and so they can hear me, I say humorless. <laughs> so they have to confront it's a word i love and so very much so anyway <laughs> his film was called the Tao of pong and i was like eh, like a balls of fury type thing i'm not going to enjoy this at all well it predates balls of fury by two years and it's super dumb and fun i really really recommend it now make sure you're looking at the eli craig version because there was a Tao of pong that came out about the same time it's also uploaded in two parts and it's about beer pong fun fact but fucking terrible. We'll not watch that again. But it, it has the nerdy kid from Road Trip and Jake Busey. How high are your standards? I love Jake Busey. Isn't he amazing? <laughs> so Tomcats. He loses a testicle and wears a walnut around his neck as a <laughs> memorial. He's in Starship Troopers, for Christ's sake. We need to celebrate him as a national icon that he deserves. He was also great in Stranger Things Season 3. Do you remember that when he works at the yeah. newspaper? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's so good at being a fucking scum sucking pig. So anyway, highly recommend that. Craig actually acted in The Rage Carry 2. Fun fact about that movie, it also butt fucking sucks. Now, his other directing included Little Evil, 
which I'm very keen on. I talked about it recently. He wrote and directed that. That's the one with Adam Scott where he's basically the stepdad to Damien from The Omen. It kind of loses its traction a little bit towards the end, but it's still a good movie. I defend it. And basically with that, I mean, that's kind of his career. Uh, He's expressed his thoughts on doing a sequel a bajillion times. And basically Alan Tudyk and the other guy have been like, nah, it's not. There's a script written, but it's not good enough to go into production. Okay. And like Tudyk has been like that blunt. And so one of Craig's ideas was, quote, Tucker and Dale go to Yale. And he described it as goodwill hunting meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm. And then apparently Tudyk's idea was to do it in the form of like a from dusk till dawn. I think that's great. You take these guys who are incidental heroes who are fighting off a situation and then you put them in a situation that is actually horrific, like fucking vampires. Right. I would love that. That would be good. Like, have you ever seen John Carpenter's Vampires with James Woods? Mm, No. It's bad. It's really bad, but I love it. He beats up a priest and acts if it gets the priest hard. It's fascinating. (laughs) There's a bald one in it. Which one? Who knows? It's a mystery unknown to us all. But my point is, if you put Tucker and Dale in John Carpenter's Vampires, that's winning an Academy Award. I'm telling you right now, (laughs) because that's the perfect movie. Now... One last thing I wanted to talk about was uh, Craig also directed the pilot for the Zombieland TV show that Amazon was going to do, which sadly fell flat on its face. Have you ever seen it? No. I just watched Zombieland 2. Yeah, what'd you think? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I was shocked that it was that good because honestly, I, I never wanted to see a sequel. And the fact that we saw a sequel a decade later, I was like, this is not a smart idea. Yeah. But I mean, for what we got, I was like, this is fine. But I really went into it with remarkably low expectations. I honestly thought that I was going to walk out of there just wanting to just set the theater on fire. So yeah, I kind of went in with like moderate expectations, what? just because I well I didn't I hadn't seen really I didn't seen like any trailers for it really. Same. And then kind of just writing off of how good the last the first one was, and then uh, yeah, yeah the uh, the scene where it's Jesse Eisenberg. And meeting up with other versions of themselves. It was cute and all, but I mean, we've seen it in Shaun of the Dead and stuff. The juxtaposition was just, it was an odd choice. It was done really well. Like Luke Wilson or Owen Wilson, Luke. Luke. Luke was great. I really like them against each other. I love the idea that they become zombies. I love the rules, but that's something that's like an episode of a TV show. It's not like a crux of a movie. Right. So that was a weird choice. I think that maybe if they change that and then also the hippie guy on guitar, lose it. I'm not into it. Yeah. Who kind of just, I was expecting more out of him or some gruesome death or something. Yeah. And then he's just, you know, he's there at the end cheering. Like he kind of didn't really do anything. Yeah. What I expected and sorry, spoilers for a movie that you're probably, if you're looking at movie titles and you're going through podcasts and you're like, Hey, I'm going to watch this one on or listen to this one on Tucker and Dale versus evil. uh, And then we're talking about everything else. Sorry. But in Zombieland 2, I expected it to be a parody of like the military state that people portray the left as exhibiting so for instance it's pretty clear it's like a message about gun control and they take the guns away right but how do you enforce gun control you need to have guns so what i anticipated was that they would forfeit (laughs) their guns and then there'd be something of a, a weird pseudo big brother military state because of the control they need to exert on these people and that they would still have guns. the weird fireworks and then the thing 
it was weird. But I do like Tallahassee. I'm not going to spoil it, but I'm going to say the whole Cherokee whatever. Oh, I yeah. liked that. Yeah, It was dumb, but I liked the fact that it was a good callback <laughs> to that earlier in the movie. And with that, we're moving on. Sorry, though. People who are listening, this is going to be right when the movie comes out for rant. Like, oh, perfect. <laughs> well, you should have seen it. I mean, honestly, if you're watching a horror, you got to be a horror obsessed. It's okay. We didn't right. really spoil. Not really. Uh, just know that you go into it with super low standards and you'll enjoy it. One last thing I want to talk about. For some reason, we keep hitting yellow Power Ranger trivia on this oh, show. Yeah. Cabin in the Woods had it. This movie has it, too. The director married to the yellow pa- Power Ranger, Sasha Williams. Hey. Not the original one, Trini, who died in a car accident. Just so you know. Uh-huh. I was that. Did you ever see the really like, hardcore fan film for Power Rangers with James Vanderbeek? No. They play on the fact that she died in a car accident. They also play on the fact that David Yost is gay, which is interesting. <laughs> and you get to see the Black Ranger fucking gat a fool in the head with a P90, if I'm not mistaken. So it's a dope movie. Wow. One last thing Fangoria 2012 best screenplay, Fright Meter 2011 best screenplay. That's probably the screenplay and Alan Tudyk are the best parts of this movie, in my opinion. Yes. Not to say Tyler Labine's bad, but he's just fine. I actually liked I thought he was great. Oh, Want to get into nicknames? Nicknames? Nicknames! So Tyler Labine as Dale Dobson, uh, he, he talked about in interviews that he loved the script, but he always gives the script to his wife after to see what her reaction is. And when she was very excited about it and she pushed him saying it was, quote, really, really funny. He knew it was something. He never went to college, so made jokes about how he was exceedingly different than the frat kids in this movie. And before this, he did a movie called Control-Alt-Delete. Your boy has sex with computers. (laughs) Jim, he drills a hole in his computer, puts in bubble wrap, and fucks the computer. Yikes. That's the opposite of the Luddite we see in this movie, right? (laughs) Yeah. Other shows that he did that were interesting. Deadbeat, Reaper, Dead Last. He was in an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? And they were uh, both he and Tudyk were in Dirk Gently. So very similar kind of horror comedy theme going out. Right. And so when he has the scythe in this movie, when he goes to talk to him, he's like, you got kids going on vacation. (laughs) He's holding a scythe as a reference and homage to Reaper. Okay. Which had promise, but kind of fell flat. So that's what I mean. He, He just generally plays the same character. So whether it's a hillbilly, but like kind of that like affable lovable doofus kind of thing right but you know this is a movie where he he exudes a lot of the things i like about like chris farley but i just love alan tudyk like when he's like 28 days later or whatever the sandra bullock movie where she's in rehab he's golden in it he's rock climbing at one point and he tells everybody to look at his package in a german accent (laughs) delightful what would you nickname our friend dale uh bubba Oh, I was going to call him Avril Levine because that's what I think of every time I say the actor's last name. Levine. Levine. All right. All right. Alan Tudyk as Tucker McGee. Uh, he actually didn't realize that his character had a last name until an interview I watched, which is pretty hilarious. Tucker my D. <laughs> this dude basically is DC animated. Some of the voices. Oh, so he also played Mr. Nobody in the Doom Patrol show. Some of the voices he has done joker clayface calendar man oliver queen who's the green arrow superman king candy the flash uh and firefly yeah he was wash k2so in your favorite movie yeah that movie's bad i like it he's beautiful in it like the movie looks so beautiful yeah 
Like, do not ever question. Rogue One looks gorgeous. It's just fucking stupid. And that's what bothers (laughs) me. And also, I watched the trailer. I think that if I go into this in a few years and I don't watch the trailers, I might enjoy Rogue One more. Because I remember being like, where's the scene where she confronts a TIE fighter face to face? Yeah, I remember the... I had forgotten about that. They pissed me they, off. They did. A, they put a lot in there that was cut when she was up on the tower or whatever. See, so this is something that I think you can appreciate too. I remember a lot of people being outraged by the movie Drive because the trailer people said was very fast and furious. But that trailer used footage from the film, albeit cut differently. Right. This film put in stuff that wasn't in the film. Put it like this. If we're talking pro wrestling... And you have a guy on the card, and I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, I get to see ravishing Rick Rude. But you find out Rick Rude has a back injury, and he's been out for six weeks. They just didn't update the butt fucking poster. You get pissed. Yeah, I'd be pissed. That's what that movie is to me. I don't know if it was like intentionally misleading, or if somebody, if they just didn't catch, like, oh, this was just footage we didn't. I don't know. I think there were such in. extensive reshoots that they were probably still working on it until after the first trailer went out. Uh, truly. Yeah. Which, I don't know. I'd love to see the original cut of it. I'd probably like that more than the Snyder cut, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, like, Snyder cut seems so fucking long, dude. Four, yeah. like, I think the last thing I heard was like four and a half it's hours. not worth it. Fuck that. What are we calling Alan Tudyk? Um, Tucker McD. Oh. Tucker Mighty. Tucker Mighty <laughs> or uh, Two Dicks is another good one. Two Dicks. <laughs> <laughs> okay well, that was. Sorry, it's an insult but i love it katrina bowden is allison allison i know this word elvis costello anybody i don't know that song oh it's a beautiful song your glasses remind me of elvis costello right i now. take that as a great compliment yeah. thank you that, that makes me very happy that dude has style for days that whole like mod ska style if i tried to do that i'd probably get laughed at so <laughs> If I can get the Buddy Holly, Elvis Costello frames, I'm pretty good. I mean, she was in Piranha 3 Double D, Great White, Hunter's Moon, and Scary Movie 5. So she's kind of stayed in the horror-ish realm. Uh, I don't really know what to call her. I don't either. I I wanted to say that she like reminded me of someone else or something I've seen her in. But I went through her list of movies and I don't think I've seen any movie she's she in. She looks like the chick from Chuck. I will I've tell you that. Chuck. Distracting. You haven't seen Chuck? Chuck's super fun. Boom. 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 Ivan Stravowski? Yep. Strahovski. Put them side by side and tell me those crazy white women don't look alike. You know how all white women look alike. I'm looking them up. Fuck you, Pinterest. God damn it. I hate Pinterest so much. <laughs> how many times I go through Google Images and it's like, all right, <laughs> log into Pinterest okay, you never use. I'm done comparing. Yeah, fuck it. They're the exact same person. It's okay. We don't use nicknames anyway. Never so. seen the two of them in the same room together at the same time. We'll just call her Camp Counselor. Jesse hey. Moss as Chad. This is the hillbilly boy. Closet hillbilly. Justin Trudeau. Oh, duh. Yeah. Sorry. It was so good. I forgot about it. <laughs> Sorry. Mm. A, then we had, do we need to no. get, I will say, I will say this. I will have my words heard, Jim. Jengers the dog was played by a dog named Weezer. <laughs> and so. Because uh, they got fucked up nasal cavities. <laughs> yeah. I just imagine the dog when I saw him in the movie because I saw that trivia before I rewatched it. And I just, you know, he's like kind of like 
chomping on his like like licking his lips. Uh. I used to imagine when his mouth was opening up like that, being like, "If you want to destroy my sweaters." <laughs> which would make me so happy so if anybody's way better at video editing than i am if you could totally take pictures of this dog and put it to any weezer song except for beverly hills i'd be super stoked so jim it's the last section that i'm covering and then you're doing the slay by play recapitation two gents purchase a vacation home they go on their merry way to fix up the fixer upper and they are misconstrued as deviants of a nefarious nature and calamity ensues fair that refresh everybody's mind y'all cut up to speed well jim take it away all right say by play so the movie opens with a video cam footage like handheld cam footage of a girl walking through a crime scene and she's talking about don't you want to be a pulitzer prize investigative journalist or something like that i'm lois lane and as she's going through, it's all dark and stuff. She gets smacked in the head and the camera guy gets attacked. Camera gets picked up and you see a guy with a face all half burnt. Was this reporter the same actress who played the reporter at the end? I did not pay enough attention to notice. I could. I, I thought about it. I'm like, is there a bit of a like time or is like what is going on? But that's a good question. Yeah, honestly, I as I was watching, I was like, oh, that's the same person. And I was like, are they the same person? So let me. There's only one uh, actress listed as a news reporter in the film, and that's a, an actress named Sasha Craig. Hold up, look at that last name, Craig. Do you think that she's? Oh my God, she's from Power Rangers, Time Force, and Lightspeed <laughs> Rescue. She's married to Craig. This is Sasha the Yellow Ranger. She's not only married to the director, slobbing his knob. She's in the fucking movie. Damn, dude, she's in. Deep. Oh, she also does everything that he does. Interesting. Oh, she played Sophie in the Tower of Pong. She's a love interest in the short, too. That's adorable. They've been together forever. Nepotism. Yeah, right? Just kidding. Well, I mean, that's I could care less. <laughs> Sally Field's son. So, I mean, that even adds to your nepotistic opinions. I really want to find out now. This is going to bug me. If it's the same person? Yeah. I'm looking, dude. Only one person is listed as a news reporter. Yeah, totally the same person. Yeah. That's weird the fuck does she come back then it's like a young woman though does she come back after she's like she's there reporting all the cops are there i am so confused it's a time warp <laughs> it's very odd or maybe she's the this is talking about nature versus nurture right so she's just the genetic error of the original newscaster wait you're talking about in the beginning of the movie versus the end of the movie when they're leaving the but it's not a time change it's just that's what I'm saying, because she looks young and hot in both of them, so she can't... It's not like... She's not like... She doesn't look like Barbara Walters at the end. Because I think it's supposed to be... Um, it's not supposed to be like a time change. This is, not, this is not the original massacre and then to this massacre. It's the same guy. It's Justin Trudeau in the, yeah, when he picks sure. up the camera. Yeah, there's no question about that. I'm just talking about, is she another character or is it like... No, it's the same. Yeah. Wait, yeah. you're saying it's the same woman? Yeah. Totally I'm, I'm saying it's her daughter because the whole argument of like the hillbilly being unable to escape his genetic, oh, you know, heritage. She can't escape being a journalist, <laughs> an investigatory journalist. So now that I've derailed the show entirely, yeah. let's move on, shall we? Okay, so we got to a car of college students driving down the road, and pickup truck pulls up next to them with some hillbillies in it. 
great sound design on this, right? That as they pull up next to him makes it seem so nefarious. When If you put stupid music under it, they would just look like dumb people. Right. But when you have that ominous sound, it's really good. They do it a couple of times in the beginning that makes really sets the tone. So they pass them and you kind of get like stereotypical stupid college kids, you know, hoorah, going to vacation. Gamma Kappa Papa, let's smoke yeah. some weed. Woo, titties. We forgot the beer. So they pull into a truck stop. So this is the part that feels so much like Cabin in the Woods. Oh, yeah. Me. But this came out two years before Cabin in the Woods. It did. Or a year, two years. Well, it was filmed two years before because it sat shelved. Oh, okay. No, it came out because Cabin in the Woods came out 2011 it's 2010, which okay. I know the guy who tried to correct me on Reddit Biatch. <laughs> so they go into the truck stop and uh, Tucker and Dale are in there and they're kind of. Shall I regale you with a shopping list? Oh, yes. The clerk says three fourth inch nails, hacksaw, nailing hooks or bailing hooks, brush clearance, side clamps, crosscut, handsaw, lubricated condoms, hand drill, feminine napkins, stone bits and a hole saw. I thought for sure that they were going to be using the feminine napkins to like seal the wounds, but that I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> but it's just a great detail that I found. I was haunted by the fact that Brian in our Blood Diner episode accurately wrote down the shopping list, so I couldn't let this go, and I had to rewind uh, three times uh, to get it all. But that's where we go. Thanks, Brian. Now I have to do that for the next thing we watch. There we go. It's a, it's the curse that passes down. It's like it <laughs> follows, except we didn't have to exchange bodily fluids. So I love how the, the college kids were just like pulling stuff off the shelves and Dale's face is like there Ooh. and he gets like scared. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> I love it. That is, that is a good bit with him. Honestly, if this was the only movie I saw him or the only thing, I would like him more. But just because it overlaps so much, the star has to be Alan Tudyk because the dude has the range to play like a gay German in recovery, a prissy robot, a cool pilot, and then this fucking hick. I mean, he, he, who could ask for anything more? So they're outside the store and they're Dale's kind of just watching the girls and Tucker's kind of giving him some advice. And so this is where you well, you kind of see it inside the store, too. But, oh, they're just normal guys. Mm -hmm. You know, Tucker gets Dale to go walk over there. He grabs a scythe for some reason. He, so that's the thing. I realized this when he was already holding it. He just tilts it upright. Oh, OK. So because I, I was like, uh, same as you, I was like, why would you pick up a scythe to take? One quick thing. Did you notice? Remember, he eagerly talks about how excited he is about the six pounder of deviled eggs, right. hard boiled right, eggs. Right. Well, when he goes to talk to them, he puts half of a, an egg back in the jar. Yeah. yeah. Fucking oh, they're, disgusting. They're pickled eggs. Pickled, there you <laughs> they go. Were, it just <laughs> makes it even grosser. Forgive my me. vegan ignorance. Yes, pickled <laughs> eggs. So he walks over. What he says, Tucker tells him, just smile and laugh. So he goes over and talks it to them. It shows confidence. <laughs> but that's after saying, you're a damn good looking man, more or less. You got a damn good heart. <laughs> oh, so good. And so he, he goes, I don't remember what he says, but he asks, he goes, you guys going camping? <laughs> oh, the laugh is and so the good. blinking is a great detail on that because it's so manic. <laughs> and then that like little boy blue comes up justin trudeau is like do try and do kung fu a little too comical there for my liking right. to set up the you know because the comedy is a situation but that's fine and then when he says they hate my face improvised oh pretty cool right now as far as that scene's constructed do you like the way it went the pacing fine everything was there anything you change yeah i like it i mean the so the, going into the story you get a little fast paced and then and then it just you, you get them talking outside yeah and it 
slows it down and gives you the better sense of who these characters are. Yeah. Which, because that's their introduction. Basically, yeah. Because you just see them in the car beforehand, but this is their real introduction. I, I kind of wish that they ployed more on the the element they kind of established with that introduction where the visual cue and the sound design making it still seem like creating a greater contrast between who they are and how they're perceived. But then again, this goes to the point of by pulling the perspective back and making everything safe, I could show this movie to anyone, even a horror novice, and they'll appreciate it. You could see how you could ham up those horror elements and then you exclude a potential audience, right? Right. So they go to Tucker and Dale driving down the road. And they're talking about how Dale can't talk to girls and Tucker is drinking and spills a beer and they get pulled over. Oh, this is a weird one. This did not age very well, did it? (laughs) No. So the sheriff pulls them over and asks them what they're doing. And (laughs) Dale was helping Tucker get the beer and he's like bending over and ends up coming up. And his shirt popped up, like buttons popped off and he ended up taking his shirt off. So he pops up as the sheriff is coming up to the window. So if you listen closely, he actually says that his shirt got stuck. Because I was trying to figure out what the hell, how does that happen? And so the cop, they tell him that they're going to a vacation home up at Morris Lake. And the cop lets him go. He says, he he warns them about it, right? Doesn't he warn them? Yeah. He warns them about the the land. But uh, cop drives off. Tucker opens up another beer and drives off. And so one thing I forgot to mention, in their little conversation in the car beforehand, there's a good foreshadow where Tucker says, basically, you have to go what you want. It's not just going to fall in your lap. And then obviously, later on, when Camp Counselor falls, she basically falls in her lap. Right. So, yeah, that's the quote from the sheriff was, ain't nothing up there but suffering and pain, making him the harbinger of the film. Right. Yeah. And then as they're driving up to the cabin... You get a non sequitur from Dale. He says, quote, I mean, what's a parasite? I just love that you're <laughs> trying to figure that out. But it's also a good indicia of his intelligence. He knows the word parasite. He doesn't know the meaning of parasite. Right. So when you see these things throughout, it's a good level of consistency. It's a really tight film, tight butthole film. <laughs> Keep going. So at the vacation home, there's kind of cars everywhere. It's a dump. We get to the cabin. Very reminiscent of Evil Dead. Oh, yeah. Army of Dark. Or, yeah, I guess it was an Army of Darkness, too. But, and Evil um, Dead 2. Evil Dead 2, Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, I love the Ted Kaczynski-style newspaper clippings. Mm-hmm. And then rather than reading the headlines, they pick out a coupon that doesn't coupon. have an expiration date. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Delightful. So they switch to the college students. I'm going to refer to them as the college kids. College kids! At camp. And then... Justin Trudeau tells the story of the Memorial Day massacre and it does a flashback to these other kids getting killed by a bunch of rednecks or two rednecks. I love the buzzsaw kill in this movie where the guy scratches his neck with the buzzsaw blade and chucks it. Dude, that's legit cool. I love the idea that he scratches himself first. It just adds such a creepiness to it. I love too where it's like they kind of give them like this horror superpower killer type thing where you could throw a buzzsaw 20 feet and impale someone but then also it's still like just mundane like a you know you're killing somebody with a buzzsaw so it's not like you know they're just a hillbilly still yeah but also in the flashbacks it's probably got the most horror visuals as far as like the framing when you see them on the floor writhing in pain like these things are very horror-esque and it's like drenched in sepia tones even though you're looking at it that way you're still kind of removed which is pretty awesome 
did you get the vibe? Because they did a good job of it. This reminded me so much of Beavis and Butthead Do America, where I'm like, oh, you're just older Dale. You're just older Tucker. Did you get that vibe? <laughs> no, I didn't. But, yeah, because there's even a that bl- gets... blonde redneck and there's a brunette redneck. And you're like, oh, clearly it's a one for one. That's yeah. obviously the first time I saw this a, a fucking decade ago. <laughs> Jesus. So one of the college kids says, there's a lake back there. You want to go skinny dipping? After Sorry, I have to cut you off. This is weird. Did you notice he sniffs the toilet paper? Who? The guy who comes and tells them that there's a lake that they can go skinny dipping in. No, I don't. He clearly <laughs> sniffs the toilet paper. I don't know if that was intentional or what. I do know that it was intentional when Chad is smoking weed and then uses his inhaler, which is a great... Yeah. But yeah, I had to make a note of it because I was like, what the fuck did I just see? And it's like the rational kind of normal guy. Oh, that's funny. It's super weird. And then this cuts to Chad making the really, really uncomfortable advance on Allison. This is the most horrifying part of the film by far. Yeah. So he, he kind of like scares, scares, comes up and scares her with an axe. And you don't see him until you see you see a silhouette of him and stuff. And then, yeah, he makes a move on her. She shuts him down. And then we go back to the college kids getting going skinny dipping. Yeah. And Tucker and Dale are fishing. And they see... What's her name? Allison. Oh, camp counselor. Yeah. Camp counselor. Oh, let's call her Costello. We're going to call her Elvis Costello. Costello. They see her up on a rock and she's taking off her clothes. And <laughs> Dale's like closing his eyes, like covering his eyes. Pretty great. And he's, uh, what? he says something, he screams or something, and it causes her to like slip and fall. Yeah. It was basically, he's getting caught by saying that Tucker is being a peep. Right. And then she falls off. But I love that they basically imply that she's like this very modest, down-to-earth girl. And yet she dresses provocatively and she's on the rock, like, stripping down. And I'm not saying you can't be modest in action, but it was just like, it's very funny that she's always sexualized, even though she's being presented as modest, right? Right. I think that's just the, as because it's a satire. Exactly. Yeah, it's, I, yeah. I think it's very, very intentional. Right, right. Yeah. right. Uh, it's not me poking fun at the movie. I think that's very, like you said, very intentional. So I really like where they wake her up uh, or when she just wakes up and she's spooked by, you know, Weezer the dog and then his silhouette. And then he's like, oh, you don't like pancakes. <laughs> and just runs off without saying anything else. Uh, super uh, fun way of, you know, breaking that tension. Yeah. And then also giving her a reason to be confused. Right. The other college kids are searching through the woods, but it goes back to Dale and he brings in her, brings in bacon and eggs. He's like, I really hope you don't dislike bacon and eggs. Yeah. When he says, me and Tucker, I and Tucker, uh, Tucker <laughs> and I brung you here. Brung so you. even when he gets <laughs> it right, he gets it I wrong. And he uses brung a few times. Oh, too. yeah. This is why I love this guy. He's so good at that. Very charming. And so in between his first time in the room and the second time in the room, it cuts to the college kids and the kid Chuck, who ends up driving the truck, he says that he thinks that uh, he saw them eating her face. Yeah. The night before. And it reminds me, I don't know, maybe because I've seen Monsters Inc. a thousand times because of the baby. But there's the scene when Boo is in the Harryhausen sushi restaurant. And afterwards, there's a news reporter. And they're, they're like, these people are saying all the things the kid did. Like it flew overhead and it blew up a car. Like, and it hey, laser sh- beams. Yeah. <laughs> it, it lifted it up, me up with its mind powers and shook yeah. me like a dog. Yeah. I, I saw the whole thing. That's exactly what this reminded me of. Did you get that vibe at all? Yeah. Because Dale's, uh, when he's rescued, he tells her how they rescued her, how she fell off. And then... From their point of view, their friends ran off and left her. Yeah. God can't. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, a short callback when he goes, they, he's like, oh, this is my favorite board game to play. Yep. And she's like, you have anything to do here? So they start playing a board game. Then the college kids 
they find the cabin. Yeah. And one of them is chosen to go check it out. <laughs> this is the kid with the like mechanics. Like the there's jumper, always yeah. one of those kids. Of course. So he gets chosen to go up and Tucker's starting a chainsaw. <laughs> he cuts into a beehive because he's cutting a, up a, a dead tree. And he just starts running because the bees are just after him. And he's just running and running and with so the chainsaw. Good. And the kid is running away. And it's a great justification for him not making sense, right? And blathering because right. he's being stung in the face by a thousand bees. Yeah, I die laughing. And this is almost my favorite part of the movie because he's like running side by side yeah. with the kid. And and then the kid <laughs> runs into a branch and impales himself. Yeah. So had you seen the trailer for this film at all? No. Yeah. So w- this is probably the bit that sold me most when I saw the trailer years ago because they give it away. And I was like, oh, that's fun. Like, And also, I'd already went into it liking Alan Tudyk. So, or shall I say two dicks? Two dicks. One thing I wanted to touch on, I really love when Allie says, my friends call me Allie. And he goes, it's a pleasure to meet you, Allie, son. Because he's still too nervous to call her Allie. <laughs> and then that's called back again in the movie. Like it's consistent good writing. So yeah, you nailed it as far as the description. Did you like the, you know, the way that the special effects were done as far as the CGI bees and everything? I think this whole scene is very perfect. It's super tight. It still stays comical when something grotesque is happening. Yeah. Boy, the best part is when the guy who's impaled sees the bee fly on his face which i'm sure costs them a bunch of money to put the fucking bee in there but it shows it's very fun it reminds me very much of labyrinth and indulge me if you will you know how there's a little worm it's like should have gone that way should have gone straight to that castle like if he wouldn't have killed himself he could have told them oh it was just he was running from bees right but he can't because he killed himself so it's like that like that missed opportunity i just loved it it was so <laughs> funny to me like that situation was so great again like a great opportunity that could have resolved everything basic words and communication like ali says right but no which is funny cuz when you go back to dale bringing in food for her they didn't like they could have drawn that out that gag like oh, where yeah. am i oh my god but she's the juxtaposition of her uh, entire group. But even she has to admit that she was shitty and judgmental right. too. Yeah. But but immediately she's like, oh, this guy is nice. Yeah. And he's just, he's, you know, and he, she immediately warms to him. Well, yeah, she changes. But that's right. the point of communication, right? Exactly. When you're given new information and you can change your opinion of something, that's called being a rational adult. You don't just dig your heels in and say climate change isn't real. <laughs> Vaccines save people and the climate's burning down. Fuck off, Reddit. <laughs> Keep going, Jim. <laughs> so Dale and Allison are playing their game. Trivia up. Trivial pursuit. Oh, no. Trivia up. Trivia up, you're right. So we find Dale super smart with trivia because he can remember stuff. He just doesn't have a lot of intelligence. And then she corrects him that there's a difference between intelligence and education, which I thought was right. Cute. And she even says... She even talks about problems lacked by communication. Yep. Or caused by a lack of communication. And this is where Tucker comes in. Two dicks comes in with his face all stung up. And he just pours a beer onto his (laughs) face. And it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. That was one of the trivia that we didn't go over. The very little trivia is that that was his, his idea. Oh, great. Yeah. Cause yeah. like he, the prostheses were like the, that's the, all of the makeup budget goes to his fake <laughs> yeah. stings. But I've never enjoyed somebody pouring beer on themselves this much. It doesn't, <laughs> Sandman doesn't count. Stone Cold Steve Austin doesn't count. It's all about two dicks pouring on his face. So they decide to go and find 
Allison's friends for her. And then the college kids find his friend impaled, their friend impaled, and they hear Tucker and Dale coming along and they catch like the end of their conversation. About the trivial game, to, yeah. He's like, I be, like beat her. Beating the crap out of her. Beating the crap out of her. And I'm going to finish her off when we get back. And Tucker's Tucker's going, college kids. College kids. <laughs> but yeah, it, again, adds a great justification because he's stung the fuck up and his face is swollen. So the fact that it's like all modulated and weird, it adds a great little button for <laughs> right. it. And I love that that Dale's like, oh, you keep yelling it louder. He doesn't yell it louder, though. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's so weird. So they decided to leave a message. And so they carve a <laughs> message into a tree that says, we got your friend. Yeah, with the hatchet. It's pretty great. And it's so interesting. Like Of all the logs in the entire forest, like, why did you think that would work? But it does work. It's just so weird. Like, how naive are you? It's like a very, like, Scooby-Doo thing to do or something like that. From, I don't know. I love it, though. This Because then, like, again, adding to the whole dementia and then this little kid justifying himself going crazy. Right. So back at the cabin, Tucker and Dale are working on clearing stuff up. As you know, when a kid impales himself, you just go back to working. Uh, shitter hole, crapper sh- hole, shit house, <laughs> crap house. <laughs> I, she corrects him again, too. I yeah. hear what she says. But she decides to go and help him. That sick fuck is making her dig her own grave. <laughs> yeah. So they, they, the kids decide to attack. And so the kid with the spear goes after Dale and impales himself slowly onto him, onto Dale. Nar, right? Yeah. That was crazy. And then one jumps at Tucker and goes straight into the wood chipper. And then the blood comes out the other side all over the blonde. Oh, so gnarly. The other blonde. Yeah. The ditzy, like, hoback blonde. And so they go inside and Tucker's Tucker's like, oh, my God, it's a suicide pact. Yeah. (laughs) It's so great. And that, like, the fact that they want to try and kill her. Yeah, they want to kill Allison. So now they think they have to protect her because they want her dead. So they decide to clean up the mess. And then the college kids are all talking about how they're going to get away. And this is where Justin Trudeau with his pop collar. how lucky you all are? Yeah. A few tiny murders. Starts calling everybody pussies. And this is when the, the kid comes back with the sheriff. Oh, yeah. Two quick things I want to talk about. One, when Alan Tudyk yells, we got to hide all the sharp objects. And then when they're dragging the fucking legs and he says, ah, he's heavy for half a guy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then fucking Dale doesn't let go of the leg. So he's just he's sitting there it. holding the leg up while the sheriff's there. Oh, it's beautiful. So the kids get all get in the sheriff's car and then they pull up and they try to explain to him how the, the kids are killing themselves. And there's another one inside and she's unconscious. Oh, we got to friend. <laughs> What? When he's like, oh, we got our friend inside. And the, the, like you can see the look on Alan's Tudyk's face. We're like, fuck, like, couldn't you have just <laughs> shut up for two seconds and let me handle this? It's also the same look when he says, uh, don't worry, Tucker and Dale are on the case, aren't we? And he's like sitting there with his stung up face. And he goes, yeah. And this is like <laughs> seething hate in his eyes is so good. So the sheriff goes inside and then they set this up earlier with the, the post. The Oh, yeah. The swinging uh, nails. But the sheriff goes inside because he mentions that there's the girl in there, you mm-hmm. know, that she she could attest to all that we're saying if I hadn't knocked her unconscious right. with a shovel on accident. But it's great because it's not it shows why he's pacing himself going in there and not just, you know, using a fucking machine gun and mowing them down upon what he's seen. So it, it's pretty decent. So the sheriff puts his hand on the post and gets nailed in the brain, walks himself out to the car. <laughs> he looks and like he's going to walk it right off. He's going to be fine. <laughs> 
<laughs> he gets the grabs the radio and falls over dead. It's so good. <laughs> so one of the kids gets his revolver looking for the safety and Dale tells him again, yep. you know, safety's on the side. You got to turn the safety off. It's on the side there. And so he blows his head off and then Justin Trudeau grabs a gun and unloads at the house. And so they go inside. Terrible shot. But then again, redneck murder hillbillies usually don't use a revolver. If they use any kind of firearm, it's usually a shotgun, right? So we'll give them a partial credit on that one. They're kind of laying inside, getting shot at, and <laughs> they kind of Tucker blames everything on Dale, and then Dale confesses. He's, he's like, "I don't I even like, like fishing," fishing. <laughs> and I love that that's so the mad. worst thing that happens to Tucker at that point of the <laughs> yeah. whole day, where he's like, "What?" And then he tries to backtrack it. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, and then the subtle detail of Dale trying to climb over two dicks and kneeing him in, in the balls. balls. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So Justin Trudeau gets the dog. It's Weezer and he has him at gunpoint. So, so they come up with up. a plan to get the nail gun and Dale is going to cover Tucker. Tucker. And so Tucker's like, he's like, you just got to cover me. And he refers to the call because he's like, I think of them as moving two by fours. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great because, you know, consistently Dale keeps talking about how I couldn't hurt a fly, couldn't hurt a fish. Right. And so he's just shooting wildly, but it makes sense for him to be shooting wildly. I mean, it's, it's nails. So he thinks he has infinite ammo and he's not trying to hurt them. He's trying to scare them so he can get the dog. So Dale covers him and he, Tucker goes around and releases releases the dog and they they just see him laying there. And so they, they chase him and he covers himself in a bunch of leaves and stuff, but they find him and knock him out. Oh, when he just smears the dead leaves on his face, it's so gross and awesome looking. He reminds like his with the way, how dark his face looks. It reminds me of the burnt to cinders guy in the waiting room beetle juice, the smoking guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Tucker wakes up. He's hanging upside down and... Chad is basically, th- or Justin Trudeau, basically threatening him. I've never stood so close to pure evil before. It kind of stinks. It was supposed to be 24-hour <laughs> protection. God damn it, that's funny. I just remember all those stupid right guard commercials from the early 2000s where it'd be like people playing like Red Rover and just weird game. I uh, <laughs> hated those. Keep going. So he cuts off his fingers with a hatchet. I don't know if they should. Do they actually show it? I don't remember. No. They, they just don't. show him like cut something. Exactly. You hear the scream, you hear the squelch, and then it's not until Allison opens up the package later right. on, which so, is very reminiscent of Blair Witch. So Allison wakes up. Uh, Dale's there. She asks him about the blood, and he starts crying, telling her that her friends are out there trying to kill Tucker and Dog, and there's a knock on the door, so Allison goes to open it up, and that's where the... She, she sees all the bodies out there, and then she also finds the the package on the floor, so it's Two of Tucker's fingers, and it says, now we got your friend. Try and get him. Yeah, and so just at the knock, you had Dale cowering in the corner, and then there's, die, hillbilly, when she's saying must be a miscommunication. (laughs) And then, quote, oh, my God, they cut off his bowling fingers. (laughs) (laughs) That's where the priorities are. Uh, So, And this is where she's saying, oh, it's a miscommunication, and then Dale has a spine and says, like, well, you did the same thing. Right. You're just as culpable as they are, which I think is it's a, a really good part because I think that so often people want to give themselves a free pass for their biases. Maybe it's because my mandatory continuing legal education, I had to do an hour long lecture about <laughs> eliminating biases, but this was really great. Dale goes looking for Tucker. He grabs a machete. He finds Tucker's hat and puts it on, puts it on. his hat. Yep. Best detail of the film. So he finds Tucker. <laughs> he springs the trap and he gets... Uh, 
like a, a spear comes flying down and goes through his pants right by his balls. I never thought I'd say this, but I'm glad I'm not hung like a bear. <laughs> yes. I'm going to Google something really quick. Average length bear penis. What are we thinking? I think, I'm thinking pretty small, actually. 9.2 oh, inches wow. is the average penis bone length compared to a polar bear's average of only 6.6. But it's a little cold, so there's some shrinkage. <laughs> I am stupid. Oh man. And so no one's monitoring the trap, but in this scenario it makes sense because the trap is just a snare to lure their attention out so they can go save Allison. Right. So Justin Trudeau and the blonde, the other blonde, they go to the cabin and it's nighttime now. So Allison's all alone and Chad comes he's, or Justin Trudeau comes in and he wants to destroy the place while Allison's trying to reason with them. It's their vacation home. <laughs> the other girl goes, I read about this in my sociolo- sociology class. It's called Stockholm Syndrome. And so he gets super jealous. Like, right. how could you love them? And then when Tucker and Dale barge in and they say, are you all right, Allie? He loses his mind because only her friends call her Allie. Right. And he's like, what? Like, you are in love with them. You're disgusting. You're evil. You're wrong. Oh, so he's so cringy. Like, it's he is masterful in this movie because he is like he's like the perfect pro wrestling heel where it's like you are irredeemably bad like i want to hurt you and i know this is fake right so she gets them to sit down so dale and tucker are back allison gets them to sit down together and dale wants to try to give her psychology award good old eight-fingered tucker by the way so this is after this little fool cut off two of his fingers which is great so tucker so he pours beer on his fingers yep too which is awesome. <laughs> Consistency. So Justin Trudeau recounts the Memorial Day Massacre. This is where we learn that it was his mother and his father and that quote unquote father, quote unquote the father who was never seen from or they showed him being put in like a furnace and burned up. They never saw him again. His mom fought and got out. Notice you never see a furnace in the film. Right. It's important. And this is the story that his grandmother told him because by the time he was born, his mother was already institutionalized. Right. So. The other guy and the blonde come in and they see them like drinking tea. They think they're captured. So they specifically is an Earl Grey tea because the kid's allergic to chamomile. Chamomile, which is another callback later. So they burst in with the weed whacker and they miss Adele and get the girl in the face. So gross. It's really gross. When you think about like what is happening there, like she clearly wouldn't die and it's just fucked. Like, but it's fun because it shows just how like inept and naive these college kids are. Like, of all of the construction equipment we have, you picked the one that whips. (laughs) Nice. Justin Trudeau stands up and throws the table on Dale and then grabs a lantern and throws it and misses. It sets his other friend on fire and then the other blonde grabs kerosene is it kerosene i, I thought so. it was moonshine or something oh maybe it's in a jar yeah. it was in a jar just clear liquid in a jar and they even worry like you don't want to do that do it. and she throws it at him and it really sets him on fire tucker dale and allison all run out and the house explodes as the gal finally gets to light her fucking cigarette because earlier she's trying to light it with a lighter but it won't go and she gets a lecture about how it's not healthy and she goes well neither it's fucking dying but <laughs> as she's dying she lights it so again a great little stupid callback which doesn't make sense but it makes sense in the context of the film right and so quick question you know how Justin Trudeau gets half of his face burned is this as offensive or less offensive than the real life Justin Trudeau doing brown face 
<laughs> this is burnt charred face because there are burn victims who might be offended by this they'll get over it oh that was probably one of my most <laughs> offensive jokes i've ever made in my life <laughs> sorry i'm very inclusive i'm making fun of somebody for being exclusionary so tucker dale and allison get in a truck <laughs> tucker be careful this is the only thing i got left dale immediately crashes, crashes into a tree <laughs> and they basically pass out and dale and tucker again wake up and allison is was taken while they were passed out so tucker gives dale like a pep talk about oh, going after what you want it's a great monologue about catching frogs so it's a total bro moment and they're like best friends best friends forever well yeah because the basic element of it is they used to catch frogs as a kid and you had two dicks would always lie and say that he was letting dale win letting avril levine get more frogs than him but he's like but you were always faster than me like you were always better than you thought you were so you need to be better than you think you are and that's a really well delivered monologue in an absurd film right dale and the dog go to the lumber mill where Justin Trudeau is tying up Allison and then he really creepily kisses her and licks her face. Yeah. I, I feel like it's a missed opportunity to just have like bloody slime on her face because right. of him. But that is super disgusting. Like wicked disgusting. Right. So Dale breaks in and he goes, you want a killer hillbilly? I'll give you a killer hillbilly. And he puts on a bunch of like, he puts on a welding mask and like some chains and stuff. He comes over to Allison and Chad's like talking over the intercom. Yeah. So Dale tries to cut the ropes with the chainsaw and Trudeau swings at him from like a rope and they fight. As she's being hurled at a rapid speed like a, towards the chainsaw. Yeah, like the a Bond saw. movie. Yeah. Reminds me so much of uh, from the Simpsons episode, obviously season eight, episode two, you only move twice. <laughs> so this is a funny fight. Trudeau throws the axe at him and he misses. And then at some point he grabs the axe and chucks it and it cuts her ropes from like 20 feet. Yeah, and it's great. The way that the axe twirls reminds me of Last Action Hero. Do you remember that? No. Yeah, there's a scene where the bad guy throws his axe at uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character and he bends backwards and it just goes right across his chest in that same kind of ridiculous (laughs) manner. But I really like the fact that Dale has those logging spurs for like wedging your boots in. Oh, yeah. And he kicks him in the shin. Yeah. Dude. That sucks. It was a pretty cool chainsaw versus like a pipe fight. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Reminds me of Gizmo or excuse me, uh, Stripe versus Billy in Gremlins. Yeah. So Dale and Allison make it up into like a loft, which is like probably like the foreman's office or something for the the lumber mill. He gets to the wiffle ball bat and breaks it, thinking he can use that as a weapon. <laughs> yeah. And then he, you see the chamomile tea there on the side and they find uh, some old newspapers and this is where we see that the sheriff from earlier had arrested the murder from the massacre that happened 30 years ago yeah 20 something years ago and you see that it he's like oh this is this looks like him this is this looks like justin trudeau so like the the guy that they caught right so this is where we know that this has been nothing supernatural there's nothing you know native burial ground happening it's all psychological horror. Yeah, it's all been this devolution into madness, which kind of goes to the whole idea of like, it's always been there. It's always in the back of his mind. And he's just, you can't Repeating escape it. your genetics. Yeah. So Justin Trudeau breaks through with a chainsaw. And this is where he gets chamomile tea in the face. And he starts having like an anaphylactic reaction. And he falls backwards out the window. And this is that's pretty much the uh, climax of uh, 
the whole movie. And so then the police ambulance reporters show up. Uh, they talk about we thought it was a tragic uh, mass student suicide or mentally unstable college kids, but it really was a mass murder. Did you catch that they don't find the body? They don't find the body. Right. Which leads me to believe that the beginning of the movie was just that lady coming back. She was coming back to the scene to find something. Yeah, I could definitely right. see that because she was the forensic person. I guess she's the daughter of the forensic investigator from the beginning. Yeah. And then we cut to the hospital where you find out that Tudix has had finger transplantation <laughs> because they shaved his knuckle hair off and they painted two of his nails red. So he's like, I don't remember him looking like this, but they reattached him. Hilarious. And then Dale uh, brings him a PBR and then he talks about going on a bowling Going bowling with Allison. The ending's super weird when they're bowling. Yeah, it's very odd. So now Dale's giving his advice that he got from two dicks to this other hillbilly about going and getting what you want. And he goes over to this girl behind them. And then at some point, he like knocks her out on accident. And then he like starts dragging her away. And the movie ends with Dale and Allie kissing. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little odd. I will say he's emboldened somebody to be a sex pest. Yeah. <laughs> but as far as that ending, it, it kind of reminds me of the type of ending of like the Big Lebowski where it ends in the bowling alley and it's just kind of mundane. It's just yeah. another day. Yeah. Uh, I like that she kisses him. I'm always a big fan of the, the lady making the first move. Right. You know, I like that he got her a helmet too. Super cute. You know, even... Tudix, when he's like giving him the pep talk, addresses the fact that she hits her head a ridiculous amount of times. Right. So it's a good callback and it's consistent because it's an absurd plot device. That's what we one of the things we talked about when I said I didn't really care for Knives Out. There's a plot device in the movie where I'm like, it's just absurd. It's a get out of jail free card. Mm. In this, how do you get the lady from scene to scene? Well, she's just unconscious. Right. As an MMA fan, <laughs> you and I both know that if somebody's unconscious for that long, you're talking about some significant brain damage yeah. and stuff. She's just unconscious until we need her again. It's like the pause button unconscious consciousness which is not what unconsciousness is <laughs> yeah i think it worked though so overall let's talk about sequels right uh, if you could see them in a sequel what would you set them as as far as like as far as their characters like have they have they they've developed over time or are they still the same i wouldn't want to see one where they're still comically or just bad things happen around them and they're just kind of trying to survive i wouldn't want to see that yeah i would like we talked about earlier though like I don't know. Would you just go so ridiculous, like bring in a supernatural thing and they're like more, they're, they're equipped to handle it in some way now? I have no idea. What I, my ideal scenario would be very, very similar to Bill Murray in Ghostbusters 2, where they basically, or even kind of what about Bob? Wow, two Bill Murrays. But the idea that they kind of sensationalize what they've been through and the experience like, oh, death therapy, where he basically takes all what's happened and become somewhat capitalizes on it, right? So they go on this public circuit because they lost everything. The truck has crashed. The cabin's burned down. So they've done everything right, but they're in a way worse situation except for the fact that Dale gets a girl, right? So they market it. They're going on the Wendy Williams show if she ever keeps her show after oh. making fun of Joaquin Phoenix like the fucking Fuck. devil woman. Fuck her. Yeah, as a guy who used to help speech therapy for people with cleft lip cleft palate, it's ridiculous. But 
I cannot <laughs> fucking believe that happens in 2020. Neither here nor there. They go, they go on their press circuit. They're a more refined gentlemen now. They're still rough around the edges. You see Tucker, for example, wearing a blazer and a nice button-up shirt with a bolo tie. He's a fancy gentleman now. But they get put in a nefarious situation where there's a real credible threat beyond a midget college student. And then the redneck hillbillies got to come out. So they, they roll them sleeves up, boy, and they go to work. I think that's way more fun. It's like Hillbilly Galaxy Quest. Oh, my God. <laughs> that movie is so fucking good. You you baited me because you know my feelings in that I do. movie. Jesus Christ! <laughs> but that's what it is. That's what happens, right? Like, oh yeah, they're actors, and then there's something to be said about that kind of situation where you can because these guys they go through the reversal, but not your typical reversal where they become emboldened and badass necessarily. It's Even, kind of it kind it's kind of like your every every man fantasy type of thing, like yeah, being like you're you know being. A superhero type of thing when you're just kind of a normal person. Your armchair quarterback. We're like, oh, I could totally do that. You're like, could you though? Yeah. But then you get, so yeah, they get put into a situation and they have to. They basically have to. And especially after marketing themselves and stuff as, oh, well, you know, we had to fight off this nefarious person and with these circumstances. And then there's like, oh, well, not only do you have to kill one mutant with chamomile tea, you have to kill <laughs> 20 mutants with chamomile tea. Uh, that's what I would probably do. I'd, I'd probably stay away from aliens. I'd probably do something like vampires, you know. Yeah. Cast Adam Zombies. Driver in it. That'd be perfect. Yeah, oh, yeah, Zombies is good, too. I really wanted to like the dead don't die, but I just couldn't stand seeing it with all the people who I really enjoy being in a bad movie. That's the one with uh, Adam Driver, Bill Murray. Oh, oh, I really wanted to see that movie, and I waited for the reviews, and I was like, I'm glad I didn't go into it because I would have just been sad and mopey. Yeah, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. You know, the trailer of, looked amazing. Yeah. Speaking of sad and mopey, guess who's not going to watch Marriage Story? Stop asking me. <laughs> Fuck no. I don't want to cry for two hours. Thanks, boy. So overall, this is classic. Absolutely. So we have three classics this year. Cabin in the Woods, What We Do in the Shadows, Tucker and Dale. We both agree Tucker and Dale beats Cabin in the Woods. For me, I could justify it beating What We Do in the Shadows. and I could stay the other way. In terms of my enjoyment this time, I still enjoyed What We Do in the Shadows more. But if I watched both of them in two weeks, it might be entirely different. I was also, especially with What We Do in the Shadows, I might be supplementing because I loved Wellington Paranormal and I loved the TV show. So I might just be giving a way more credit in terms of the cosmic cinematic universe. Yeah. So for me, Tucker and Dale would go over What We Do in the Shadows. Okay. It's only slightly, but... That honestly, because I'm planning on watching the shows, that could change. So, but there's only two of us, so we're kind of out of tie, anyways. All right, I'm gonna give it to you. I will say Tucker and Dale beats what we do in the shadows because I will take out the supplemental materials because I don't think that that's fair. I think as a standalone film, and also we both know I'm not a huge fan of mockumentaries. So, in structure of film, that's a, a very very unique film for me to enjoy. But as a whole. I think that Tucker and Dale is a much easier rewatch for a lot of people. Yeah, I'd say that was. All right. So we have a couple minutes left. Would you like some questions from our fans? Oh, yeah. Some submissions. So we have a new Google form out, which, you know, we have allow graciously allowed you to 
put input in as to what you want from the show that you're listening to right now. We've had some great feedback and some great submissions, so do expect those to be coming out. If you would like to leave a submission, all you have to do is go to linktr.ee slash slasherspod, and the first thing that lists is the slashers submissions. Uh, So far, we've had a bunch of great responses. Like I said, we're going to be having a lot of these coming out. What's really fun is people are filling this out and they are clearly fans of our show. Nothing makes me laugh harder than when somebody refers to a meme I made 11 months ago about (laughs) uh, Scream. When somebody says for what movie they want us to do, they say, quote, yo mama's sex tape. <laughs> so we have some really great ones in the works. Very excited about it. Please consider giving us that feedback. Please consider uh, rating, subscribing, and all that bullshit. So shall I get into the questions? Yeah. Okay. Number one, what are you currently worried about? That is so hard. Everything. <laughs> Everything yeah. worries me. Politics. Yeah. Basically. At that. The only thing that gives me uh, stress in this world. Worried about watching the damn freaking political ads on TV. Thank God for DVR. Absolutely. Yeah. It, that stuff drives me nuts. The I, I was watching videos on YouTube and some fucking guy in a district I don't live in is like advertising. I'm like, oh, well, I know Google tracks my location because it's always saying like, oh, you're at Sprouts. Did you know you could Google this? I'm like, mm. fuck off. So the fact that they're like not using that information is really, really annoying. Question, what inanimate object would be the most annoying if it played loud, upbeat music while being used? My pillow. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> I was going to be lured and say a butt plug. <laughs> that could be fun, though. Loud and upbeat music. Upbeat music. I don't know. I want bump and grind music or I want wasp, you know? Or I fuck like a beast. You know my love of that band. Another quick question. What charity or charitable causes do you think are most deserving of money? Australia, trick question. Have you not heard me rant about this a million times? If you can prove to us that you have donated to any Australian wildlife relief effort, you send us proof of it, slasherspot at gmail.com or any of our profiles. You just say, hey, here's a screenshot. I sent $5. I sent a dollar. I sent some pubic hairs. You say whatever you can that you can spare. I will send you every Patreon bonus episode we've ever recorded at no additional cost. Jim, what do you think will save the world? What do I think will save the world? Yep. Love. Well, um, I subscribe to the Joy Division that love will tear us apart. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) What do you think is the most annoying noise? You know, have you ever had a fire alarm just go off? That stupid high pitch beep when the battery's dying. Uh Beep. At three in the morning. Beep. Oh, been there. You got to. 18-month-old trying to sleep. Beep. Beep. Yeah. My worst, when a certain individual, number 45, says bigly. (laughs) That's the most annoying sound in the world for this fella right here. Bigly huge. Oh, huge. What slang or trend makes you feel old? Lit AF. Oh, God. I got I so I was doing a presentation for my law firm today and I said totes narbra <laughs> and I saw a bunch of blank expressions and I was like come on I'm I'm being cheeky and fun but I think they thought I was being serious I'm like oh man <laughs> they think I'm dumbified 
Can you describe your dream home? Hmm. I really like ranch style homes mm. with uh, like pillars. Okay. Like, just like a uh, big porch with pillars. I can dig that. Would you have a porch swing? No. Would you have a porch sex swing? No. <laughs> Pussy. Back porch sex swing. Maybe. Very good. Depends on how many how many trees are around. You know what I think? Ball pit. I don't think enough people give credit for the the cathartic experience of a ball pit. Everybody's all about these jacuzzis and stuff. That wastes water. <laughs> Just jump into a bunch of plastic balls and flop around a little bit, right? That sounds relaxing. How do you drink your coffee, you son of a bitch? I like a little bit of coffee in my creamer and sugar. <laughs> I like my sugar with coffee and cream. Yeah. I only drink my coffee black because they haven't invented something blacker. God. doing So starting intermittent fasting. Mm. And I'm only starting at 16, eight hours of eating and 16 hours of fasting. So basically cut down to two meals, like lunch and dinner and then no breakfast. But God, it just made me realize how much I love my coffee in the morning. Like not even for like, I don't really even need it for energy. It's just become more of just like a comfort thing. Oh, yeah. And I can't drink black coffee. You can't do it? No. Nah. So the one thing I don't like about black coffee, because I'm a big black coffee guy, I don't like tangy coffee. So if it's acidic and it's got that citrusy flavor, don't fucking waste my time. I like burnt, dark flavor. I want it to taste like dirt, like, uh. like sooty dirt. That's what I'm all about. I like Turkish coffee. You ever have that? No. Where they fucking leave grounds at the bottom of it and you can swish <laughs> it through your teeth and it feels like, like you're putting clay in your body. Oh, it's delightful. <laughs> I fucking love it. Unironically, my my kid got a hold of a, a used K cup the other day. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> he, he like ripped, poked open the hole in the top more, and then he stuck his he like put it up to his mouth, and he came away and he had grounds all in oh, his no. mouth, <laughs> and he's he's sticking out his tongue like trying to get it out of his mouth and like giving me the funniest face. Oh my god, it was so funny. Was he bom- super bombastic bonkers for the rest of the day? No. He, well, I mean, not any more than usual. So well, you lucked out there. <laughs> yeah. So hold on. I have another one. What is the last text message that you sent? Oh, I told my wife I loved her. What? Okay. What's the last not gay? I say that only because one of our fans submitted uh, for topics that they wanted gay stuff, quote, lots of gay stuff. So I'm allowed to say that. I sent you a text of a cat putting on glasses saying I'm ready. There you go. That's pretty good. Oh, 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 oh. This is the last one I sent. Anne Rand, Rand Paul, and Paul Ryan walk into a bar. The bartender serves them tainted alcohol because there are no regulations. They die. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's good. It is pretty good. So we have a very ambitious new project that we're undertaking that we're going to be continuing week to week. And we're going to really want your fan feedback. We're going to want your involvement. We're going to be trying to post these onto YouTube and Instagram, trying to keep them at a reasonable length of time and give you options. So I'm imploring you all. I know that it's fucking tedious. And I know that the last thing you want to hear at the end of a podcast is we're winding down. It's please, please give me more attention than you're already giving me by listening to my stupid bullshit podcast. But if you can give us feedback on what you like we really appreciate it jim and i are working really hard and we bought a bunch of new equipment and invested a bunch of time into this and 
honestly, it's a reward unto itself. But I just need to know that Jim and I aren't the only fucking people who are super excited about this undertaking. And if there's other ones that you'd like us to do in the future, I already have a couple other things lined up with this same methodology. Um, please consider doing the slasher submissions form. I would really appreciate it, even if you don't want to take the time to leave a review or whatever on Apple or blah, blah. It would mean the world to us. We want to make sure that we're not just rambling to ourselves and we're giving you content that you enjoy. If you have any bands that you'd recommend for the hidden track or for Brian's Metal Monday segment, please send us a know. We're always very eager to reach out to musicians. I mean, I've made great friendships out of it. Johnny from Cry Havoc. I mean, I'm wearing one of the band shirts who was in one of the very early hidden tracks. So we have, you know, we lasting relationships with these people. And we want to have lasting relationships with you, the mutant goons from beyond jim is it that time to say goodbye it is beep beep fuck boys and for jim for chad for brian for my wife who's occasionally on the show for brian's wife who's occasionally on the show for chad's wife who was once on the show this is jake reminding you to go out there and do something you love and remember that all work and no power play makes jack a dull boy enjoy gyro jets with their song pieces once you are done with this episode, why not check out their Bandcamp profile and tell them that you fantasize about them sensually? Just a thought. No pressure or anything. Music! The lousy bastard was in there killing her!